Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text for today is the Gospel lesson appointed for Pentecost Sunday. I read to you from John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27, and then chapter 16, starting on the 4th verse through to the 15th. Jesus said, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Thus far, the text. I invite you to bow your heads with me in prayer. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word that you give us, and we ask that you help us to receive it and to believe it. In Jesus' name, amen. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, our Lord, friends, it would certainly be a lot easier for the church if Jesus was here amongst us. Then, in this doubting world, we could point right at our Lord and say, look at his miracles and listen to his teachings. And moreover, we could say, look for yourselves at his hands and his feet and his side and know that those marks speak of the atonement of all who believe in his death and resurrection. That would be the best thing ever, wouldn't it? Then our testimony would have irrefutable truth standing behind it, and people would have to believe. But didn't the Pharisees witness Christ's miracles? And didn't the people listen to his teachings? Even with Christ standing right before them, many, couldn't believe, many people couldn't believe uh, that Jesus was the very Son of God. And after the resurrection, having seen Jesus with their own eyes, Matthew 28, 17 tells us that on the day of our Lord's ascension, even the remaining 11 disciples who gathered upon the mountain that Jesus designated in Galilee still struggled with the evidence that was before them. When they saw him, Matthew writes, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. Thankfully, Jesus overcame their doubts and used each one in the upbuilding of, of the church, after his ascension, or, or rather I should say after Pentecost, when they all received the Holy Spirit and began to testify about Jesus to the world, just as he had promised. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. 
what a great start for the church and what a great ally we have in the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father, sent by the Son, of like mind and glory and of equal power with both. God's Spirit comes alongside of us and begins stating the truth about Jesus with us and for our sake. Lest we forget, the Holy Spirit was sent both into the world and into the church to help us all. For the sake of the world, the Spirit brings a threefold conviction. One of those convictions is with respect to sin. Now, this isn't a reiteration of the Ten Commandments that Moses carried down to the world from Mount Sinai, but a simple statement of fact. Those who don't believe in the redemption won for them upon the cross by Jesus Christ will die and suffer eternally in hell. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23 And he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned, Mark 16, 16. And that condemnation, not by God, but by that person's own unbelief. The Holy Spirit will pull out John 3, 18, and in Jesus' own words say, He who believes in, in Jesus Christ is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Hand in hand with this conviction of sin, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of righteousness as well. This is the true Son of God who took upon himself human flesh and was found to be well-pleasing to God in that state. He made atonement for the world's sin, and in his resurrected state, God raised him up and seated him at his right hand. And Jesus will return in that state of righteousness to judge the living and the dead. You can't unhear those words. You can't deny them. Uh, sure, you, you can walk away from them, but they will still convict you and condemn you to eternal death on the last day. Conversely, that conviction of righteousness could also bless you because it goes hand in hand with that other conviction, namely the conviction associated with judgment. The ruler of this world has already been judged. His throne has been toppled and his kingdom defeated. If the gavel had already sounded against that powerful kingdom, and the world and its denial of sin, the world and its self-contrived righteousness um, and feeble attempts to stop God's proclamation of the law and gospel and its many attacks upon the church doesn't stand a chance. They will be judged as their father, uh, the father of all lies, and unrighteousness has been judged. Only God's holy people will be spared by repentance and by faith. And herein lies the other great workings of the Holy Spirit. For the sake of the righteous, the Holy Spirit will make faith possible, and those things which we can't bear, bearable. Being the spirit of the truth, he already stands against the prince of lies and is guiding us in all the truths, the truth of the sins that we commit, the truth of the conviction which leads us to repentance, the truth of the blood-brought gift of our absolution, and the truth of our own righteousness through our Savior Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit will not stop speaking those truths to us. He won't ever lie to us, as our sermon text tells us, as the Holy Spirit will not speak to us even of his own authority, but instead tell us what it is that he hears God say. 
Does this mean that the Holy Spirit is in any way, in any way inferior to God? Not at all. What this means is that God himself is speaking to us through the Spirit in complete communication with God and in agreement with his purpose and will, which is to glorify the Son of God and to assure us of his, uh, of his redemption, which is now our redemption. Now, with all of that in mind, let's go back up to the top of the sermon and reflect upon our wish to have Christ bodily present in our midst. Had Jesus not ascended into heaven and taken up his place at God's right hand, none of us would have received the full benefit of God's Spirit working here in our midst. Our conviction would have been lost when we were part of the non-believing world, and our faith would have never been made manifest. But blessed are you, for this is revealed to you by God. And, and more. For Jesus says, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. It'll all be ours because of faith, because of the gift that God has sent us in his spirit. Our key verse for this week is one of the promises that God made to Israel through the prophet Ezekiel. It was like this, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Ezekiel 37, 14. Once more, that's Ezekiel 37, 14. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. May this spirit be your encouragement in this upcoming week. And may God keep you safe during this ongoing shutdown, blessing you into his care and especially into his salvation now and to all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, all the conviction that you sent out into the world through your spirit. Indeed, you convicted our own hearts too, and you brought us to repentance. You declared your righteousness before us, and fearing your judgment, we turn to you. We know your salvation. We trust your salvation because the workings of the spirit has filled our hearts with faith. We ask, dear God, that you allow us to continue on in that faith and that you open our lips to proclaim what it is that we've received. Bless the world through the working of your church and through the lives of your children. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, your Lord. Amen. Amen.